souls that are lost and bound and captive, to souls that are in desperate need of that message. And, and, and so I, I can't tell you enough, church, how privileged you are to have men such as these to, to not only go out and preach the gospel, but have a burden and a love for the congregation here. Amen. Amen. So uh, that being said, if, if we can turn to the book of Philippians We'll be reading off of the first chapter, verse 6, familiar portion of scripture. But as Sister Madison was, was exhorting, I, I couldn't contain myself. She mentioned the phrase, if, if only we could get desperate enough to see God do it like he did it before. And I believe that the Holy Ghost wants to speak somebody to somebody here tonight. I feel it in my spirit that there is somebody here who is desperate enough to see the Lord perform that work, who is desperate enough to see God do it just like he did in times past. And so if we could stand for the reading of the word, those that are able, we'll be reading off of Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And the word of God reads as this, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you We'll perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. If we can, look to our neighbors and say, he will perform it. He will perform it. Amen. May we pray tonight, church. Heavenly Father, before your presence, we come, Lord. And we've enjoyed, Lord, basking in your presence. Lord, worshiping you and glorifying you, for you are worthy of it all. But God, as we have sung here tonight, this wasn't an ordinary worship. This isn't an ordinary service, God. This isn't an ordinary people. But God, the congregation here tonight is a peculiar people. Lord, of people that have set themselves apart. Holy Ghost, I know that you have a word for us tonight. God, I pray, move me out of your way. God, move me out of the way. I know that you have a word for your congregation. God, they did not come here expecting to hear from a person. But God, they came here expecting, Lord, to hear from you. So, God, at this time, we pray, may you anoint, Lord, these lips of clay. We will be quick and careful, Lord, to give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. We may be seated, church. Now, Philippians 1, 6, to read it again. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, the Amplified Version reads as follows. I am convinced convinced and confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will continue to perfect and complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. We see that Paul, when he wrote this letter to the, to the Philippians, just like many of his letters to the, to the churches in times past, he was behind uh, uh, jail bars. He was confined. He was uh, incarcerated. But unlike some of these other letters that he wrote to the churches, um, this letter specifically to the church in Philippi uh, was one that, yes, he, he did deal with problems in the church, but it was mostly one of, of encouragement. It was, it was one that expressed his gratitude and joy for the work that he was seeing uh, in them being taken place. It was a letter of, of, of exhortation, of encouragement, that there is a contentment that we can have in all things. Right. Of a humility that reflects the, the character of Christ. Yeah. And a joy that surpasses all logic of the carnal mind. And we go on to read in this same chapter that, 
that Paul writes, to live is Christ, to live is Christ, to die is gain. He goes on to write, he, he's, he's perplexed, he's stuck in, in between two opinions. He, he wants to be able to live out, carry out the calling that God has placed in his life, to go out and preach deliverance to the captive, see the blind, get their, 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 their vision restored. But at the same time, he says, but you know what? Death isn't too bad of a thing. It'll just be a shortcut to glory. But he, he writes in the verse uh, 25th and through 26 that better was for him to stay for the furtherance and joy of faith that our rejoicing or that their rejoicing be more abounded in Jesus Christ. And so although he was torn in two in these two opinions, he was confident and at peace. Now this word peace is the agreement between man's free will and God's sovereign grace. In other words, our submission to God's perfect will. And until we, we learn to say, Lord, thy will be done in my life, we won't be able to come to peace with whatever God has in store for us. We can't pray the prayer, Lord, your will be done on earth if it is not first done in my life. Amen. For how can the Lord's will be done on earth if it is not done in the church? Amen. We can find peace knowing that despite of our circumstances, despite of our lack of strength, God's will is being done. For it is when the flesh is weak that the spirit man can prevail. It is in our darkest times that we know that Christ can be our hope. It is in the deepest pits that we know that there is a hand that can reach down and save us from that. Amen. And so we, we read that, that Paul was at peace, not because he knew that his time was coming to an end, he did not have the mentality of, oh, well, I'm about to die, so who cares what happens next? No, that wasn't his mentality. But he was able to be at peace because he knew who God was, what Christ did. And so he writes, and I paraphrase, I know the Christ that has set all things in motion. I know the work which he has done, that he has done through his church, the work that he has done in me personally. And so if there's anything that I can be confident in, if I am to offer up my life for anything, it will be this, that he who has begun a good work in you will perform it into the day of Christ Jesus. Amen. And so bear with me for a second here, but we, we take a look at, at man's work. Um, for example, this may seem random, but bear with me. We, we look at uh, Van Gogh's Starry Night Painting. Some consider it a, a masterpiece, a beauty to behold. And some uh, uh, art enthusiasts uh, describe it as such, a, pa a painting that resonates with everyone. For the sky, it, it, uh, the swirls in the sky, each dab of color rolling with the clouds around the stars and moon. On the cypress tree, they bend with the curve of the branches. The whole effect is, is almost surreal and, and dreamlike. The hills easily roll down into the little village below, while in contrast, the town is straight up and down, done with rigid lines that interrupt the flow of the brush strokes. We take a look at, at man's work, and we look at the, the architecture of, of the time period of the Renaissance, and, and it's beautiful to behold. It's, it's based on symmetry, and it's mathematically pleasing. And it's probably one of, the, one of man's creations that is still relevant and amazing to behold to this day. But man's work at his best can only come, can only reach a certain limit. 
We read that, uh, well, we study out that uh, Van Gogh's life, and I'm not casting any, <coughs> excuse me, casting any stones. But Van Gogh, when he painted this, his mind wasn't all the way there. And so we see that man's, at his best, his work, what we call a masterpiece, is yet still corrupted, is yet still feasible to fall into corruption. When he painted this, he fell into a dark depression. He fell into suicidal thoughts. And, And unlike the other paintings that he was painting beforehand, this painting was different. And we see that when it comes to the architecture of the Renaissance, although, yes, it is beautiful to behold, but it... There will come a point in time where man's creation will fall and and crumble. Where the only thing that will stand to be true is God's words and not the work of man. Amen. And so, men fail in work by loss of means and of power, by change of purpose, by the dependence upon others, and by reason of death. But it is not thus with the Creator. We take a look at God's work. We read in the book of Isaiah chapter 40, who hath measured the waters in the hollow of, the, of his hand and met it out heaven with a span and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance. God holds all of creation in the palm of his hands. If God the creator holds all of creation in the palm of his hands, And I'm not here to diminish anyone's problems, anybody's circumstances. But just think about how small those problems really are. Whenever we put it into perspective that the God who created all of heaven and earth has all of his creation in the palm of his hands. Amen. And we see that this same God, the same hands of God are the same hands that gave man the opportunity, the ability to do the work that they do. Amen. And so... We see that, that, that God, although he created all of creation, to us it may seem like the most beautiful, the most marvelous creation, but it isn't quite so. God's greatest creation, his greatest accomplishment is humanity. We take a look at, at how the human body is, is composed. We have cells that, that form together to form tissues and tissues that form organs. And we see how the blood... Uh, it just flows from the hearts all the way to the top of our heads, to the, to the sole of our feet. And yet there's people still that question God's glorious power, His handiwork. Amen. And so where does, where does this tie in with, with what Paul was writing to the, book of Philip, to the church of Philippi? Well, church, God does not start something He does not finish. The Lord does not open doors that Satan cannot close, that Satan can close. And the Lord cannot close it. Okay, the Lord closes doors that Satan can't open. Amen. And so we see that when he puts into something into motion, he will see it through. Now, this work that, that Paul was writing to the church in Philippi, it's a progressive work. Now, we do, I do believe that there is an instant work whenever a soul comes to know Christ. But there is also a progressive, a gradual work that has to take place. Amen. And so we see that whenever a, a Christian is born again, comes to the knowledge of Christ, that it is easy for that person to compare himself to the brother that's been serving the Lord for 20 plus years. Church, the last thing we need to do is compare ourselves to somebody else. Compare the work that God has done in my life and your life with, with the life of your brother right next to you. God, although he is, he is great and big and holds all of creation in his hands, 
He is a personal God. Amen. And so this, this progressive work is a personal work as well. Amen. And so we see that he writes to the church of Philippi, stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together. For the purpose of the church is what? For the edification, for accountability for one another. Amen. Yes, I enjoy it. And I've had the greatest times in prayer when I, when I went into my prayer closet and just sought the Lord, sought his face alone. But there's also something so sweet of coming to the house of God and be able to be surrounded by my brethren of like precious faith like we are tonight. Amen. And I'm so thankful that I don't have to wait for a Wednesday night service to do that. Amen. I'm thankful that I can come into his sanctuary just like we are tonight and seek him and praise him. Amen. And so we see that this progressive work that he has started will start from the inside and that it will reflect in the outward. What he does in you, what he does in me will be known of us. Amen. And so we see that uh, God has, has done a good work. We read in the book of Genesis that, that when God created the, the heavens and the earth, that after each day that he created something, that after he created a light for the day and the light for the, for the night being the, the, the moon, he saw and he said, what? It is good. After he divided the firmaments and, and divided up the waters and created land, he saw that it was good. After he created man out of the dust of the earth, he saw that it was good. And when Paul writes to the church in Philippi, saying, I'm confident of this very thing, that he, hath, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. Yes, God's creation is awesome, is magnificent, but he sees a good work in you, church. He sees a good work in you, youth. He sees a good work in you. Elders of the church, amen. God saw that creation was good. He sees the work in us to be good as well. Even after failing him time and time again, even after still seeing the results being hopeless, still believing that everything won't turn out the way we expect it to, God still views the work that he has started in you as good, amen. We read it in the book of Psalms, that, that the psalmist writes, For what is man that thou shalt be mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? It says that you have made him a bit lower than the angels, and yet you have crowned them with glory and honor. God's greatest, God's greatest creation is not the hills, the mountaintops, or the valleys. It is not the rivers that split the land. But God's creation, what he sees good, is you and I. Amen. Now, I should have asked for permission for this, but uh, Pastor Eddie and Brother, Brother Corey here, if, if it's all right with you, if you could stand, I, I don't mean to, to embarrass you or anything. Like I said, I should have asked permission for this. But what God sees good in you, church, these pastors see it as well. They did not accept the calling of God because of the money. They did not accept the calling of God because of the position or the location. But what God saw in each and every single one of you, these men of God see it as well. And these men have dedicated their lives to not only preach behind the pulpit, to not only uh, come up with a sermon, not only to, to, to uh, entertain y'all with, with, with meals and events. But what God sees good in you, church, these men see it as well. Amen. Amen. And so we should be grateful and thankful that this work that God has started, church, 
Not only do these men of God believe that this work that has started in you will be completed, will be perfected, but God sees it at the very end. We may see it as incomplete. We may see it as a failure, but God sees it as something else. He sees his blood. He sees a finished work in you and I. Amen. And so what is this progressive work that, that Paul writes to the, to the Philippians? As Sister Madison was, was speaking, exhorting, this first progressive work is faith. Amen. Reading the book of Ephesians, that chapter 2, verse 8 through 10, that we are saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves. It is a gift of God. Verse 10 goes on to say, for we are his workmanship. Amen. It took faith to get where we are now. Amen. And it is going to take faith to get where God has called us to be at. Amen. We read in the book of Luke chapter 12 that blessed are the servants that wait on the Lord. It takes faith to wait. Amen. It takes faith to go through the, through the wilderness, through the valley. It takes faith to know that although your circumstances say otherwise, there is a God that will see us through. There is a God that will be our strength in a time of weakness. There is a God who will be our light in our darkness. Amen. We read a, a couple of chapters later on in the book of Luke chapter 18. That nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. It took faith, like I've said, to be where we are now. It's going to take faith to finish the course. Amen. If faith is not one of the works that God is working in us, why is it that we can't believe at times? Why is it that we allow fear to override what God has said and what he is going to do? If faith wasn't one of the works that God is working in us, would we not have the story of the father who cried out, Lord, help thou my unbelief when his son was possessed? Amen. There is a faith already in us, a faith that has carried us through the darkest of pits and widest of valleys. But just think of this, church, that when this faith is completed, that when this faith is, is made whole, think about what can happen. Amen. Think about those mountains that didn't move when you cried out to them. They shall move and they shall be casted into that ocean. Amen. Think about when this faith has fully come to, to completion. What God can do in his church. What God is going to do for his church and through his church. Amen. Amen. And so we, we read in this same book of Philippians that Paul writes about this progressive work being love as well. And I'm not talking about the love that you have towards your brother, towards your sister, towards your parents or your spouse. But as we read in the book of Matthew, what reward have you if you love them that love you or salute only your brother? Do not even the publicans do the same? Do not the people out there in the world give when others don't? Do not the people out there in the world that are unsaved uh, love and show compassion to others? What difference is there between us and those that still do such things? Amen. What difference is there? We read in the Gospels that by this thing shall, shall they know that ye are my disciples, that ye love one another. Amen. And so this love, in the book of Matthew, he goes on to write, verse 48, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Now, we know that none of us are perfect. I'm not perfect. We're far from being perfect. But as we have read earlier, this work that he has begun in us, this good work, he shall perform and he shall perfect in the day of the Lord. Amen. Yeah. 
And so this, this, this third uh, progressive word that I like to, to, to share about it is long-suffering. Amen. This word long-suffering means having or showing patience in, dis, in spite of troubles. And we read in the book of Romans, for troubles and tribulations worketh patience. And patience, experience, and experience, hope. Amen. There's many times we get from point A to point B without learning the lesson God had wanted us to learn. And so we go back to where we started. We go back to that point A. We want the experiences without the hour it takes. We want the patience without the opportunity to practice it. And we want the hope without having to get to the end of the line. Amen. And so there's things that we ask God for, and yet we don't reflect in our own lives and say, God, what is it that you want to show me? What is it that you want to reveal to my life through this tribulation, through this trouble? Church, if it wasn't for the, the tribulations, if it wasn't for the valleys, we would not be able to know that God was able to do it. Amen. If it wasn't for the sickness, I wouldn't be able to know that God is a healer. If it wasn't for the fact that I was bound in sin, I wouldn't have known that Christ could break my chains and set me free. If it wasn't for the fact that I was lost and perverted out in the world, how could I obtain a hope and this great salvation knowing that there's something far greater, something far better for me, for us, not up this world, but up in heaven. Amen. It takes faith to believe these things. It takes long suffering to be able to endure it. And it takes love to be able to carry it out. Amen. Amen. And so when, when, when Paul was writing to the book of the, the church of Philippi, he was saying this progressive work that the Lord has started. Yes, I see your faith and I appreciate what you have done. You can see the works in you. Yes, I appreciate the love, the generosity that you have for the brothers across the land. Yes, I can see your long suffering, but God is not done there. There is still a work to be done. There is still a work that he wants to perfect and complete in you, in us. Amen. And so this, this last thing, and it pretty much sums all of, the, all of the progressive work. If I could just sum it up in one simple phrase, this progressive work that the Lord has started in us is all that is pleasing unto God. Reading the book of Philippians chapter 2, just the very next chapter, that we can only achieve purity and blamelessness if we murmur and dispute not. Amen. This progressive work is a personal work between yourself and God, between me and God. Amen. And so God knows every single time that we murmur. He knows every single time that we complain. He knows every single time that, that we look at, at what we have and say, God, really? Is this all that you can do for me? God sees that and he takes notice. But little do we know that he wants to provide something better. He wants to do something greater. He wants to move in the same way, if not greater, than what he did before. The nation of Israel got caught up in their, in their Egypt, in, in, their, in their wilderness, in the desert. Because of their complaining and their murmuring. They were withheld from the promised land that God had for them. Because of the fact that they could not get past the fact uh, uh, that, that, that they couldn't eat what they used to eat in Egypt. That they couldn't partake in the same things that they used to partake in. They told Moses, hey, it is better for us to return back into Egypt. How many times do we pray, Lord, take me to this place and yet 
We desire to go back to the same things we used to, we used to believe in. Sister Madison touched on it. There's prayers that may seem crazy to us, but to God, that God specializes in the impossible. He specializes in the crazy. He specializes in the magnificent. He specializes in what is impossible to us. There's times in our life where we pray simple prayers, and the Lord hears them, and he's pleased by them. But he desires for us to pray much deeper. He desires for us to pray prayers that will reach out not just our neighbors, not just our friends, but that will reach out to, to the lost and the broken and the hurting across the world. Amen. Yeah, and so if I could just encourage this church tonight, encourage myself, let us not hinder what, the good work that God is doing in us. Yeah, yeah. Let us not get caught up in our murmuring and our complaining. Let us not be caught up with our, our lack of faith. Let us not be caught up with, with, with our, our tiredness and weariness. Amen. But let us, let us endure the, the good fight, the good battle as good soldiers of the Lord. Amen. Now, there is an assurance. Amen. And unlike many things in this world, there is an assurance in this word of God. Amen. There's an assurance in this scripture that we read in this book that he who has started it, he being who? God. The nature of God, he cannot lie, for he is not a man to lie. Amen. The nature of God is that of a giving God. Amen. He does not desire to withhold anything from his children. But in the contrary, he wants to be able to provide our every need. He wants to be there in our times of struggle. Amen. And so the nature of God, he wants to finish this work in you and I. He, he has started it and he expects to finish it. Amen. And the only reason that he would not finish this work that he has started is if we ourselves do not allow him to finish it in us. Amen. He has started it. But because we are flesh, because we are carnal, because we allow this carnal mind, which is an, en which is a a an enemy uh, to the mind of God, to who God is, because we allow ourselves to fall to, to the flesh, there are times that... that we don't allow God to finish the work that he has begun. Sometimes the reason why we're stuck in the same place where we are is because we did not allow the Lord to deal with our bitterness. Because we do not, we do not allow the Lord to, to deal with, with our doubt, our fear. We do not allow the Lord to, you know, to, to put his finger on, on the things that, that we love the most. And yet that he is trying to purge us from. Amen. Let us not hinder this good work that the Lord has started. You know, uh, as I was praying for it for for this service the other day, I, I couldn't felt it in my I couldn't help but feel it in my spirit that uh, there's somebody here who has been praying and seeking after God for for the the saving of their lost loved ones. And I'm here to say that it is no coincidence that conviction has reached that heart. It is no coincidence that that God has filled you with the Holy Ghost, for it is not a tool or. Or, or just a, a pass for you to be able to enter in an, ex, in an exclusive club. It is no coincidence that this good work that the Lord has started, has started for a reason. Amen. There is no coincidence. What God has started, he intends to finish. Amen. What he has started, he will perform. And not only that, but he will perfect it. Amen. So let us not be discouraged because of the fact that we are human. Let us not be discouraged because of the fact that we have failed time and time again. Let us not be discouraged because brother lived a life for 50 plus years without 
going into the world, and yet I lived most of my life out in sin in the world. What the Lord did for, for that brother, for that sister, praise his name for it. But what he did in your life, what he did in my life, I'll praise him for that just as much. There is a testimony that each and every single one of us have that what God has done in us has been something personal, something intimate, something that the brother next to me can't say. And because God did that a personal work in me, I can go out and minister to people in a way that my brother can't minister to. I can be able to testify what it's like to be bound by pornography. I can testify what it's, what it's like to be bound by anger issues, by depression, by anxiety. I can testify what it feels like, what it's like to live a life running after sin and relationships. And so I can testify that God did that for me. And just like Paul was writing to, to the church in Philippi, what God did in me, this transformation that he did in me, I know he can do in you. I know that this work that he has started in me, he will perform and he will perfect. Amen. Reading the book of Romans that all things work together for our good. Amen. And so these troubles, these, these, these tribu tribulations, the, the amount of times that we grow weary and grow tired, the amount of times that we find ourselves laying in bed, God is working all these things out for our good. Why? So that we can know that he is able. So that we can know, so that we can rest assured that if he is the one that has started it, he will perform and finish it off. Amen. And so why perfect it? Why work it in us in the first place? We read in the book of Hebrews chapter 13. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will. Working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And so we read in the, in, in, in the scriptures that who is it that shall enter into heaven? It's not going to be the preacher. It's not going to be the worship leader. It's not going to be the musician. It's not going to be the evangelist or the missionary. But he who enters into heaven, as we read, is he, is her, is she, that does the will of the Father. Amen. We read back into the book of Philippians chapter 2. He goes on to write, Now work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And so we see that God has started this, this work in you and I for a reason. Amen. It is, it is for us to be able to carry out his will. Amen. Chapter 3 of Philippians reads, Not as though I had already attained it. Talking about the resurrection, the new life, or I'm perfectly, or I'm perfect already. But I follow after that to apprehend Christ the way he has apprehended me. Forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward, pressing towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Church, there is a hope for us tonight. That this work that he has started, he will perform and he will perfect. There is a time that this work will be, will be completed. Yeah, we read in the scripture that it's going to be until the day of Jesus Christ. We read in the, in the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah chapter 13, Ezekiel 30. We read in, in Joel chapter 1 of this day of the Lord. And we read in the book of John that, that the day of the Lord that these prophets were talking about. 
it is the day of Jesus Christ, as, as Paul writes here. And we read in the book of 1 Corinthians that we should be found guiltless in the day of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians reads, we will boast of you. 1 Thessalonians 5, 2-3 read, the day will suddenly come where people say peace and security and destruction will come upon them. And so we see that this day of the Lord, this day of Jesus Christ, is the day where the righteous shall receive their reward and where the wicked shall, shall receive the, the destruction. Amen. And so if we could stand tonight and I'll ask the musicians to come up. Why perfect it? Why choose man? Why choose your creation to carry out this work? Why choose me, God, when I failed you time and time again? Why choose me, God, when, when I've sat in the preaching in the middle of a, of a convicting sermon? I've sat whenever your presence was moving in your altars. Lord, why me whenever I, I was bound in sin? Why me after backsliding? Why choose to do it in me, God? Church, it is no excuse for us to sin. But God desires us, desires you more than you desire him. He desires to work and operate in our lives to perform this work. He desires it more than what we pray the Lord to, to finish it out in us. And so these, these good works, this good work, it's a progression. It's a gradual, a gradual work. And just to point out a few, long-suffering, love, faith. We're in the book of Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. All those things cannot be produced unless what? Unless we abide in the vine. Yes, unless we allow the work of God. Amen. Now, a flower cannot bloom if that stem is not connected to the roots. A flower cannot bloom. The leaves cannot grow green if they're not connected to that source that brings up the water. Yes. Amen. We cannot produce that fruit if we're not connected and abiding in the vine. And so we cannot allow the Lord to continue to perfect and perform this work if we do not allow him to. Right, Amen. And so let us come into the altars and say, Lord, I surrender all of my mind, all of my heart, all that I am, Lord, so that you may continue, Lord, to perform. And not only that, but so that you may perfect this good work that you have started in me. Church, there's an assurance that that which he has started, he will perform. He will see it through. Amen. He will reward our faith. He will reward our long suffering. He will reward the fact that we love one another. We love the loveless. Those that are hard to love. He will reward the fact that we come into his presence desiring him more than anything else. Amen. Amen.